There we go. Those weekly fresh beats that we've come to know and love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freightonomics. Uh, I am Zach Strickland here with, as always, uh, Anthony Smith, our lead economist here at FreightWaves. I am the director of freight market intelligence, so they tell me. Uh, and we are here to discuss, uh, you know, what's happening in the freight market as it pertains to the overall economy. Combine those two things and, and uh, basically inform you with, you know, how things are working right now and how they're connected. Anthony? That's right. And I mean, it's a beautiful pairing when you pair freight and economics together. It just makes sense. And this is Freightonomics. Like Zach said, I am Anthony Smith, lead economist here at FreightWaves and market expert director. And today, Zach, we're in the trenches. We're in the trenches. We got a big day. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the trenches. You have been so kind as to, uh, you know, locate your cousin, That's Chris right. Bryant, uh, who is a flatbed owner operator. And he is going to give us some eyes on the road. Uh, to let us know how his, you know, what his experience has been like here over the last couple of months, mm -hmm. year, et cetera, just to, uh, you know, it, it's always helpful, I think. You know, we have a lot of data on this show. Yeah. We provide a lot of that. But I think it's also helpful, you know, one of our mantras here at Freightways is that we provide some of that tribal knowledge, that context that you need to really get a deeper understanding of what the data means. And I think this is exactly what we need right now. You, we've been talking about our volumes and tender rejections, capacity, of course, super tight. Right. Volumes are growing. Um, it's, it's one of those times where it really helps to hear somebody else's, you know, that's in the stuff. You know, yeah. I've been removed from it for a few years now. Uh, you know, my, my own visibility is straight through the information that we have here. And, of course, our contact with uh, our various uh, people that like to come on uh, FreightWaves and FreightWaves TV and interact with us. But I think this is a good uh, chance for us to get in and, and get somebody with uh, some real context on the road. You're monitoring LinkedIn, right? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Um, and just as you said, I mean, we watch these data sources closely. As an economist, I'm watching monthly releases. And as a freight economist, I'm watching some of our internal indices that are near real-time data sets that shows what just happened yesterday. But when we're looking at those who are actually actively in the midst of what's happening right now, they're the ones that can tell us what's actually happening on the ground. What are the new trends that they're actually seeing mm -hmm. before these data sets come out on a monthly basis, weekly basis, or what happened yesterday? They know what's actually going on. But without further ado, I mean, we got to jump into well, it. Well, we got to jump into it. But first, let's, we've got a big story. Yeah. We normally, for those of you that consistently view us and listen to our podcast, we like to cover the story of the week. And of course, there's no bigger story for the freight market uh, right now than Hurricane Laura that's right. bearing down. We had Marco, kind of a non-event, you know, dropped some water over the over Louisiana, et cetera. Um, you know, and so it's, you know, one of those things, the freight market, it definitely has, you know, it has the potential to be a huge disruption to freight flow in the United States, not necessarily in the way that it's going to, you know, it does pause activity in the areas that it hits, which it more than likely will in Louisiana again, but Louisiana is not, yeah, there's, there's freight down there, but it's not a huge freight market. You've got a big interaction between Houston and, and New Orleans uh, and kind of that Arklatex region. We have a little bit of a triangle of activity down there. Not a huge amount of freight, though, relative to, say, like a Southern California and Atlanta, Chicago, for instance. These are more hubs of the, of the freight market. But at the same time, if a hurricane hits and then it has, you know, an $80 billion economic impact, right. that's a lot of freight. Yeah. 
That's a lot of freight. That's a lot of recovery efforts uh, that get involved here. So Laura, uh, scheduled to hit the coast of Louisiana here tonight into early tomorrow morning uh, with Category 3 plus force. So that's going to be 115 mile an hour winds plus, which means... It's a major hurricane, catastrophic damage uh, possible in a lot of areas. And then it's supposed to zip on up through Arkansas uh, and then make a hard right turn over Tennessee and Kentucky before exiting the, uh, the East Coast later in the week. And so to me, Anthony, the important things to take away here. Yeah. You've got a big hurricane coming down there. We've seen tender rejection rates decline out of some of those markets like Houston, Little Rock, uh, Memphis as carriers are basically trying to move out of the way or pot potentially position themselves in a way that they can be a part of the recovery effort. Yeah. Not just because they're trying to be good citizens, which a lot of them are, but recovery efforts do pay quite well if you know what you're doing. Yeah. I would caution any carriers, of course, that any of them that have had experience with this type of activity before knows what I'm talking about, but detention is real. You are basically part of the federal uh, emergency management uh, team at the moment that you accept this. You waive your hours of service requirements, and then you're part of the team. And you could be you know, moving one load for multiple days as you sit and wait for your uh, trailers to get unloaded, et cetera. Detention is a real concern. But if you manage it right, of course, you, get a, you can make a good bit of money. Yeah. What that does to the overall freight market, why you should care if you're not involved in the recovery effort, if there is one that's needed, which more than likely there's going to be some level, you know, I, I would argue, you know, we're looking at a minimum of a $20 billion uh, hurricane here, probably more, just because of the sheer size. And the longer that it stays strong over, you know, some of these areas like Arkansas that aren't used to this wind field being so strong, that's it, just going to have more damaging effect. Now, the flooding... Another issue, not sure if it's going to be that big of a deal for Arkansas and North, obviously some flash flooding, but a majority of the damage from these storms does tend to come from flooding, not necessarily wind, uh, and wa but it's the water or the water damage that does that. And this is not as big of a concern for this storm, but it's, it's probably going to impact a large swath of area with wind damage. And then of course there will be, uh, some flooding yeah. in, in spots in these areas. So, yeah. Anybody that's out there looking to, you know, what they really need to pay attention to this storm here over the next week, uh, your carrier, shipper, broker, doesn't matter. Carriers and, sh and brokers obviously know about it. Shippers, some of them may not know that it does have an impact to your region. The larger the storm system, the more you need to be concerned, even if you're out in Southern California and you're shipping freight. Yeah. A lot of these trucks get stuck in these recovery uh, issues. So it will suck some, consume some amount of capacity in an already tight market tender rejection rates up around 25% right now. We got Labor Day coming up yeah. here in a, in a week or so, a week and a half. Capacity is going to be tight here over the next two weeks. You have to pay attention to it. It's going to be uh, a wild, uh, it, spot on for 2020, am yeah. I right? Yeah, I mean, not, <laughs> not too surprising. And, and you mentioned, I mean, hours of service waived uh, going mm -hmm. into it. A lot of ramp up beforehand, and there's going to be a pretty significant impact afterwards, right? That's that's really the key is when we're talking about hurricanes, it's not necessarily the direct hit or the while it's there. It's it takes months for areas to recover. We yeah. saw with Harvey Irma, uh, this had a lasting impact for the freight market that was reverberating through, you know, December after it hit on Labor Day. 
Um, so again, this is, I, I don't think this is going to be to that same scale. Like Harvey was almost a $200 billion uh, infrastructure event, which again, I, I think I said 20 billion on, on a low end. And again, I'm no insurance specialist, so don't take my word for it. But uh, when they do finally get those numbers, which will be weeks after the fact, um, you know, another point of reference, Michael, Cat 5 hurricane hit the Florida panhandle a few years ago. It was less than a $20 billion event yeah. because it hit, it was a category five hurricane, super strong, but it hit effectively nothing. Uh, no population, not a big freight market area, a lot of tourist activity down there. So it didn't have as much of an impact. This one should be stronger than Michael in my estimates. That's why I say $20 billion minimum, uh, because it's going to push up over you know, the Little Rock market, for instance, Memphis, Little Rock. There is a lot of freight that enters, that interacts with those markets. Uh, so there should be a pretty decent impact there. How significant of an impact? I'm not so sure yet. Going to be hard to discern what's uh, hurricane related and all just 2020 yeah. COVID yeah. Yeah. You know, activity related at this yeah. point. Yeah. And there's definitely been a, a lot of activity or things that have happened in 2020 that we haven't quite seen historically. And so a lot of trends that we've seen in the past are no longer at play here. And definitely in the past when I've seen hurricanes hit heavy areas or areas heavily, um, of course, as you mentioned, there's that big recovery effort, but then of course there's that rebuilding effect. So as my time as a, um, a corporate economist in the building products industry, we definitely saw an influx of building products materials, whether it be siding, roofing, or just framing a material. And so we've already seen that that really kind of ramp up as of late throughout the year with COVID, a lot of shelter at place, a lot of people taking advantage of that time at home and being able to um, work on some projects from home. So we're seeing a shortage of a lot, actually lumber right now. And I think we'll probably have a lumber specialist on other than myself here in, in the next couple say, of weeks. Aren't you the lumber specialist? I am, but <laughs> some, some good company. Uh, and so uh, I think we're going to dive into that here uh, in a couple of weeks here. But right now, um, definitely seeing uh, influx of unprecedented historical or trends compared to historical um, outlooks. But uh, when we're looking at what's happening right now with the overall economy, there's been some activity for the durable goods side. We are recovering, are we not? There's been some upward movement. Um, <laughs> so for durable goods from uh, in July compared to last month, uh, the previous month, it's up 11.2% month over month. So that is a substantial rise, although it's still down 12.1% year over year. Not quite at the year ago levels, but momentum is building. Um, pretty significantly. And when we're looking at the two sectors between, um, between consumers and between uh, industrial, industrial activity, there definitely is, there has been a divergent trend, but we are starting to see some upward movement in manufacturing or in manu uh, machinery. Of course, we have to look at this on a month-to-month -month basis, but um, when we're looking at computers and electronics, orders have passed year-ago levels up 2.2% and up um, 1.3% on a year-over-year -year basis. Have we uh, been have we been higher year-over-year -year for the last two months now on electronics? For electronics. Yeah, I, I thought so. So the consumers, this is kind of the story that we've been experiencing, is yeah. that those consumables... Uh, consumer electronics, home improvement goods mm -hmm. have really been dragging along a lot of what we're seeing in the freight market, the economy in general, while industrial sector still trying to work its way back. Yeah. And still a long way to go. It's been that way even before COVID. I mean, but but to that point, when we're looking at motor vehicles and parts, that's up 21.9% month over month. Of, of course, it's still down 
21% year over year, but that month to month movement is what a lot, I think a lot of people are going to be uh, really excited about. Um, so really, the consumer facing segments are really, like you said, been really carrying the momentum, manufacturing. Um, we're looking at non-defense capital goods, new orders, including aircraft that's moved up 1.9% month to month. And so we can kind of see some of that momentum building. It's not quite there yet, but it's all moving in the right direction. Um, one of those big components from that machinery orders up 2% month to month, but down 5.2% um, year over year. But again, this is for the month of July. We're almost in September. And so that, that there's that separation between of what's those secure macroeconomic numbers compared to what we're seeing real time or near real time on the roads right now. And I think someone that is near and dear to my heart, Zach, <laughs> uh, my, my cousin uh, Chris Bryant is here with us who can probably tell us a little bit more about what he's actually seeing in the trenches. Chris? Hey, how you doing? You guys got me there? I'm live. You're on. You're on. Chris, thanks is. so much for joining us today. Um, real quick, why don't you just give us a, an introduction? Well, uh, my name is Chris. I haul predominantly open deck, step deck, and uh, RGM material. Um, I've been doing it for about eight years now, and I've seen the market take its rises and its dives. Uh, I run mainly East Coast and Midwest. I don't go too far out with California, Utah, and stuff like that, but mainly East and Midwest in the South. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, anything that can go on top of a flatbed, I'm, I'm trying to haul it. Excellent, excellent. And, and as you said, you've been in the industry for eight years now, so, Zach, definitely been some ups and downs over the last eight years. So, as you said, you've definitely seen some variances over the last couple of years, especially this year, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, Chris. just, just, just in, just from last year to this spring, you know, we're, we're talking August to March. You know, you get, it was a dramatic dip, and it seems like now it's it's, it's trying to fight its way up the ropes. You know, how's right. your how's your uh, you know what was your experience? I mean, flatbed has been a little bit disconnected from some of the other modes uh, over the last couple of months. How's your experience been? What, what was your experience with the freight market? Have you seen increasing volumes? You, obviously, everybody in April was basically shut down. Uh, but what have you seen, say, March, May, June, July, to now? Yeah, so March and April, it, it started falling dramatically. And, you know, everybody was scrambling. You know, some people even closed the doors. But uh, I'd say about late April, May, it, it's, it's like a a stick of dynamite exploded and everybody just started having freight released and I was just here for the ride. I stayed out the whole, you know, the whole time during the quarantine being initiated up until now, you know, as far as like continuously working. So uh, when that, when that influx of freight started, uh, you started seeing uh, machinery, John Deere, they, they kicked up their market because they still had back orders. And I guess COVID kind of stopped all shipping and manufacturing, you know, uh, you had John Deere in Des Moines, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, Waterloo, Davenport Works. They were shutting down, staggering two weeks at a time. Two weeks at a time, they were staggering, closing and opening, closing and opening. So once they got a handle on all these phases and stuff like that, I guess that was around the, the April, Mayish time. Everything just opened back up. A lot of steel, aluminum took a big hit. Uh, Arconic and Alcoa, they, they're a big aluminum carrier. 
for the flatbed industry. And they shut down a lot of their big Ford motor plants, was closed down up in uh, Dearborn, Michigan. They, they, they closed down. That took a heavy hit on the aluminum side. And that, that's a major uh, commodity to ship on flatbed in America, still in aluminum. And so after a while, it, it, it's picked back up, and it's still slowly right now ballooning. So we're just out here now hoping that the balloon never pops again, you know? And so, Chris, you just mentioned that, you know, you saw some heavy-duty machinery kind of picking up and, and ballooning somewhat. But what are you seeing lately? Has it still been some of those machinery, or is it still um, some consumer-led goods that's actually being hauled throughout the country? A mixture of both. Uh, while I'm traveling down the road, I still see a, a large majority of machinery construction because it, it, it coincides hand-in-hand, you know, uh, the consumers buy and the constructors need equipment to install. You know, like for the last, I'd say about two and a half months, I've been hauling swimming pools, uh, in-ground swimming pool molds for homes. So with that, you don't just, you know, pull up to someone's doorstep and say, here's a 40-foot-long, 16-wide pool. You know, right. you get your aunt and go ahead and help take it off. You got to <laughs> have a contractor who's out there with a crane or an excavator to you know, lift it off, dig the holes and stuff like that, and PVC pipes included. So there's a lot of different commodities that pro- that's provided for the flatbed and overhauling uh, industry that involves just one delivery, you know. So every everybody, each hand, you know, one hand washes the other, both hands wash the face type deal. Right, right. And, and when you're looking at right now, as of late, how's optionality looking on your side? Are you still getting a lot of opportunities, or are you kind of just jumping at whatever can get hauled? Optionality is it's it's getting wider. I can say that it's, it's getting wider. Like uh, here, when I look for loads myself, I, uh, I I have the option now from the March April era that we faced this year to say, oh well, I don't want to haul that freight. I, I can look for something else, or I can take an hour or two to keep looking for what I want. As into where you know March April, I mean, you seen something on the board and you're like, oh, I need to take that now. I got, I got to take it because I can't sit. You know. <laughs> So it, that, it, that was that time of I don't want to sit. Now it's a time of, you know, well, tomorrow there may be a better load. Got you. Got you. And when you're looking at rates right now, how is it compared to, I guess, earlier pre-pandemic levels or even uh, compared to last year? Well, pre-pandemic, of course, the rates were a little bit better than they were in March. You know, that could, I want to say rates dropped down to the lowest point. I mean, you were seeing it over over-dimensional loads at regular flatbed, flatbed load rates, and then you're seeing flatbed rates at drive-in rates. It's like everything stepped down. And so now everything is kind of normalizing out now. It's still kind of low, but everything is kind of normalizing out now. So, yeah, I mean, would you say the, the flatbed market before COVID, and again, I'm talking about this from a uh, – you know, a lot of people may not understand the dynamic between dry van, flatbed, and reefer, uh, some of the people that are listening. Uh, you know, explain kind of what you mean when you say that flatbed was moving at dry van rates. Typically, we see pretty volatile and flatbed rates being higher than dry van, correct? Yeah, yeah that's absolutely correct. So where if uh, you look at a dry van rate, you, you kind of... For me, hauling open deck, I would look at a driving rate and, you know, almost get sick to my stomach because we're used <laughs> to that range of like a, like a, 
even on the lower end, we'll, we want to look for like a dollar ninety-five at the absolute lowest. Like, and we're still discussing at that because there's so much included in just running a flatbed or a step deck or RGM because it's not, you know, just open the doors and load your cargo. You know, so we have other equipment expenses that come along with hauling freight and cargo. So, uh, yeah. So the driving rates, you know, they they have their dollar uh, twenty-five, like dollar sixty range because they're more on a per mile basis. But when you have, when you jump from a dollar 95 to a 270 range down to that drive in rate, now you're, you're, you're sitting there with your head spinning. Like how am I going to pay my bills? Like if I drive and I have a low pro step deck right now and I blow a tire that costs $500, right. You know, what, what am I supposed to do with this dollar 40 mile rate that, that have that rates already going to the tire, you know? But we were, we were faced with a, a decision. Either we make money or stay at home and don't make money type deal. And the country had to keep moving, whether we wanted to or not. Right on. And and so would you say that the rates now have surpassed the dry van side on the flatbed again? Oh, yeah. We... Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. All right. So that we've we've yeah. pulled back into a more normal environment where flatbedders and again, again, uh, I, you know, flatbed is 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 real work out there. You got to get off. You got to get out of that uh, that cab, and and you know make sure that that stuff's strapped in. We uh we always used to uh, <laughs> joke about the flatbedders are a different a different sort. Yeah, uh, you got to get out there and be willing to move. Uh, you know, yeah. un- unlike a lot of these drive in and, and reefer carriers out there. Is that is that right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not to knock them off. You know, it's. Truck drivers to be truck drivers. They have their jokes and stuff like that, but they're, they're just as vital to the industry as we are. But it, it's a little bit more labor intensive on the open deck side. I mean, there's strapping, tarping. We all hate the tarp. So <laughs> it's just something that has to be done because, you know, nobody wants to order a truckload of lumber and then by the time it gets to the consumer, it's all swollen up because it got wet or, or, uh, Automotive plant orders of aluminum was still cool. And so, yeah, it I looks mean, like we lost the audio uh, for a minute. We, we, we lost the audio for a minute, but I think we're, we're coming up. I'm not sure if we can pull him back, but it definitely sounds like Chris has seen a wide range of economic activity from the road firsthand. You know, it's, it's interesting to me because we're, you know, he's obviously, and I hope he comes back so we can ask him a few more questions about the type of freight that he's hauling because I was trying to build into that a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, he was talking about aluminum early on and yeah. steel. And, you know, flatbedders haul all of, a lot of raw materials. Right. And that's why we connect them a lot to that industrial economy. But he was yeah. also talking about, all right, it sounds like we got Chris back. Excellent. But, so I finished my thought. So it sounds like we're getting a little bit more of that raw materials. But again, some of those factory shutdowns earlier in the year really may not may have just created this pent up demand. Yeah. Uh, to an extent. And Chris, uh, we got you back here. Yep. I'm back. All right. All right. So sorry. We lost wonderful technology. 2020 hasn't uh, hasn't seen anything <laughs> change there. <laughs> so uh, so right. something I something I wanted to ask is so. You've seen more activity here over the last month or so. Do you see it slowing down at all? Are you starting to see, uh, you know, any signs of weakness or, you know, there's still this economic concern, overriding concern that unemployment and all these other factors that are still, it's still showing signs that we're not all the way back. Are you seeing any sign of any kind of slowing? Uh, honestly, I, I can see a plateau right now. 
but as far as like slowing down and diving back to where we were, I don't, I don't see that at all. Right. Uh, because like I said, I, I'm, I just delivered uh, four pools and, and it blew my mind when I tapped into this uh, type of cargo to ship. I'm like, we're in the midst of a pandemic, but people are buying 40 yeah. foot pool inserts for the ground pool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and they're moving them so fast. I'm, I'm doing at least two loads a week on, you know, within a 900 mile radius. And they just keep me, are you coming back to pick another load up? We got to get these pools moved out. And I, I'm like, wow. The, the, the demand for something so expensive in the midst of a pandemic, I would never have thought would happen. So as long as the consumers keep buying, I feel like the industry will keep surviving. Right on. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, you know, obviously people sitting at home now, uh, whereas they were going to work, now it's like, ah, I could put in that pool. Yeah. I could do this. I know a lot of the OEMs, a lot of the OEMs, uh, you know, for recreational vehicles, such, you know, RVs, boats, four wheelers, yeah. they're all on tremendous back order. Yeah. Um, are you hauling any of that right now? Uh, no, I try to stay away from any automotive and things like that. But uh, like I said, as far as machinery, John Deere, Case, New Island, Kubota, I, I'm tapping the stuff like that. But the, as far as like four wheelers, and I, I consider those too much of a liability. You know, uh, I try to keep those away from my trailer. Okay. And, nobody, and, nobody's gonna try to come in and come and try to steal <laughs> a pool off my truck. You know what I mean? Right. right. <laughs> or you'll see them coming. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> And, and Chris, last question on my end. I'm curious to know if there are any nuances or industry changes that you think are going to be long-lasting after the pandemic's over. And I think that that's more so based on uh, if if we tend to kind of stay in the area of more people working from home, uh, when, more, when more people can stay at home, because I feel like when more people can stay at home, they consume more. So when they consume more, they, when they, they sit at home, like, like you said, I can put this pool in, I can, I can build this fence, let me build a cabinet, let me build a shelf. So as long as people can stay where they are steadily consuming and not distracted by going to work for 12 hours a day or 10 hours a day, then the trucking industry will stay booming right now. But as soon as they get that distraction of, I got to go to work, then they'll slow down. You know, certain industries will stay open, like, you know, the, the car industry, the car haul industry will stay good because everybody has to get that new upgrade every year. Right. But uh, as far as, like, uh, consumer goods, they, they need to be undistracted to consume. Right, right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining in. Um, it's been an honor and an absolute pleasure to have you. We hope to have you on again soon. Please stay safe out there, and I'll probably follow up with you right after this podcast is over. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. That's, all, that's, a good one. that's always good to be at the alley. I think that COVID got me standing at the street now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so right on. Uh, I'll be in touch with you guys. You guys keep in touch with me. Definitely. Right on, man. Yeah, come back all for right. sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the lesson here is that things are coming back. They're coming back strong. Yeah. Uh, we don't see a real sign of slowing. I think it's interesting that he said things are plateauing. He obviously can only handle so much uh, freight at any given moment. He right. is one guy, one owner-operator. So, But he seems to have a very consistent amount of freight. Now, <clears throat> real quickly, because we're, we're running up on time here, We've got, we still have this overriding concern about, you know, months into the future. I think yeah. we're all comfortable with knowing that here over the next month or two, 
we're still going to have this, a lot of volume, capacity is going to remain tight, but unemployment still an issue. Yeah, big do you, time. Do you think the guy, I mean, do we need another stimulus to get us like over the hump for sure? Because I saw the other day, double dip recession concerns. Yeah, I think with or without another stimulus, there's definitely going to be a season of sobering coming up soon next year. Um, I think we'll finish out the year, I think, at, at a stronger pace than uh, what we started off in the first and second quarter. So I think the second half of the year is going to be stronger for sure. But um, there are definitely those risks of a double dip recession if consumers don't keep consuming and if we don't have that kind of momentum. Definitely with the unemployment, those are huge concerns. And what we've seen with the lack of um, additional stimulus checks that might provoke or might push more individuals to get back in that workforce if there are jobs out there for us. But I, I think definitely the, those risks are real. But I think throughout the end of the year, we should be good to go. All right. Well, you heard it here, our lead economist. I'll <laughs> defer to you on that one. Uh, and thank you so much for watching. Be sure to stay tuned every week at 2 p.m. for Freightonomics. That's and right. everybody stay safe out there and uh, watch the Weather Channel if you live in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, we got our very own Nick Austin. I know. Nick Austin will keep you updated. <laughs> Can we get Chris on the show? That was great. <laughs>